It is time for the second hour of Saturday Tailgate, ESPN 1025, the game. Marquise Munson, no Nick Kale today, but I got Captain Kurt, and that's all I need in this world is me and Captain Kurt talking some college football here. Week eight of the college football season, and there's a ton of games that you can listen to on this station as well as 94.9 Game 2 as you can listen to Auburn at Arkansas at 11 o'clock right here on ESPN 102.5 The Game on 94.9 Game 2. You can listen to MTSU at North Texas and that game will start at 2 o'clock and followed by Tennessee and Alabama which is a night game. So here's my tip for you because look, unless you want to watch the light show in Tuscaloosa on TV – I would just personally, I would be in the bed, turn on my radio, and just listen to it on 94.9 Game 2. And then, therefore, you kill two birds and one stone. You can still listen to Alabama, Tennessee, and then you can also go to bed. So, you know, you don't have to watch... You don't have to watch that travesty on on a TV screen. You can just listen to it on 94.9 Game 2. And you can also listen to Eli Gold's voice, who's a legend in this game. So that's just a tip for you as well. But you can also listen to the Classic Hits 93-3 with Kentucky and Georgia. That game beginning at 2.30. But let's talk about some coaches. Let's get to some coaches' corner, shall we? Let's first start with Coach Ed Ogeron. Now, Gets that big win against Florida last week. That was a huge win for Coach O. And this has been a big season for Coach O. And what's funny about this is a couple years ago, this guy was on the hot seat. This guy was on the verge of people just like, get him out of Baton Rouge. He's as Baton Rouge as you get if you hear his voice. But a lot of people wanted him out the door. But kudos. And I always love Coach O. I met him before. He's He's a great dude. And he's a great coach. And he was a great coach among some other great coaches. And his first stint was with USC. And, you know, this is when Paul Hackett, you know, he ended up going to, or, you know, he ended up leaving or getting fired. And then all of a sudden they hired Pete Carroll as his replacement. And he was in that coaching staff. And then, you know, Pete Carroll obviously kept him because he had a relationship with Coach O in high school, I guess it was. And, he kept him around in the staff, and, and Coach O was able to learn from that that time at USC under Pete Carroll to where they had a ton of success. They were national champions. You know, they were, you know, always, you know, at the top of college football at the time. And, you know, he was an assistant coach there before he ended up taking that job at Ole Miss. And he talked about that, of what he learned pretty much from watching Pete Carroll and then also – he talked about having a quarterback where you have these – I mean, we look at the top teams. We look at Alabama with Tua. We look at Clemson with Trevor Lawrence. We look at Jalen at Oklahoma, and we look at Justin Fields at Ohio State. These top-heavy teams have very talented quarterbacks, and Joe Burrow now falls in that category with those same quarterbacks. So here is Coach Ed Ogeron talking about what he's learned to try to block out all the the media hoopla from Pete Carroll, and he also talked about his quarterback, Joe Burrow. Block out the noise. Pete was uh, phenomenal at blocking out the noise and uh, really focusing in on the task at hand, getting the team better, look at what's real, look at the tape and what's real, and we got to, I can never say it right now, any of that five technique got to get better. Even in, in, in a game where we may have eight to ten sacks, you would always 
point something out that we got to get better and be constructive and get better and better. Pete's teams got better as the season went on. That's what I want our team to do, get better and better and better. Really, the only ranking that counts is when you get in the college football playoff. Until then, none of them count as far as it's good right now, but it doesn't mean anything. you got to win got to win consistently throughout the season. You look at maybe the arguably the four best teams in the country, they all have elite quarterbacks. You look at the NFL, the successful yeah. teams are in that range yeah. too. Is, is that kind of where the game is going? And do you mm-hmm. feel that Joe is a unicorn in that regard, or mm-hmm. can this be taught you know, to whoever follows him? Yeah, well, first of all, I believe Joe is elite. Yeah, no, we, we, felt, we felt that in the recruiting process. Now it takes a time to develop. I don't think anybody comes to college football, not, not many guys, Rips off their shirt, has an S on the chest, and just starts going. I think it takes development. You can see Joe's development over last year. Yeah, and I see it too. Because last year, when I watched Joe Burrow against this Alabama defense, I didn't, I didn't see the same quarterback. I see a different quarterback today than I see last year under LSU offense. And a lot of that may just be, you know, Joe Brady is just really that good. And he may end up getting, after this season's over with, he may end up getting NFL considerations, maybe not as a head coach, maybe as a head coach, but maybe as an offensive coordinator in the NFL because that system that that Brady is running with Joe Burrow as his quarterback has worked benefits for both guys. You know, I think Brady's going to get an opportunity to get a bigger job maybe in, in as a head coach in college football or an NFL coordinator, and this has improved Joe Burrow's draft stock. I'm hearing a lot of talks of even maybe the Tennessee Titans could be, you know, thinking about a guy like Joe Burrow. You know, I heard Teron, you know, and Chase talking about it yesterday of having, you know, a guy like Jalen Hurts or having a guy like Joe Burrow come into this system with the Titans. And I think both of them work because, you know, they, if you, as long as you play within their skill set, especially with Jalen, if you play within what Jalen can offer you, don't try to make Jalen into a quarterback that he's not. Don't try to make him into Jameis Winston where he's throwing deep passes all the time. Just make him like play within his skill set, then you got you know, you got a, two good quarterbacks there. So, you know, kudos to what this team is able to do with Joe Burrow cuz he's made a huge step up. And there's another coach that's made a huge step up and that is Herm Edwards. And Herm Edwards is killing it at Arizona State. And here's what he had to say about building that team in his second season in the Sun Devils. We're in our second year of this program. Let's make no mistake. And um, we haven't had a lot of potholes yet. There could be some on the horizon. And I think when when we hit them, um, we have to stay steady. And I'll stay steady. And uh, we'll continue to build this thing. I mean, this is a this is a new program, guys. It's brand new. Uh, you say what you want, but it is. And, and I've, I've watched enough college football, visited with numerous coaches that have coached in college football. And before I took this job, I actually talked to a bunch of them that I really respect about the process of building something, you know, and, and how and how you have to go about doing it. And I've talked to some coaches that have done that. And, and so we got to stay steady in what we believe in. And uh, you know that when you play a lot of young guys. There's a point to where they got to eventually figure out how to close a game out. But to their credit, they don't blink. They play. They play until there's no time left on the clock. And I think if, if you remember my first press conference, uh, one thing I said, we wanted competitive consistency. And I think we have delivered that thus far. And they have that because 
this Arizona State team. And when Herm Edwards first got hired at Arizona State, I was like, what are they doing? Like, they're hiring an NFL guy as a coach? Because it's hard to make those transitions sometimes. We see we seen Pete Carroll be able to do it pretty well because he's successful at USC and he's he's won with you know Seattle. So we've seen that transition. We haven't seen that transition not so much with certain other coaches. Nick Saban being one of them. Nick Saban went some. He was with the Dolphins after that LSU stint and wasn't that good. Maybe if they would have gave him Drew Brees, maybe it would have been a little better. But you know whatever. But, you know, some guys don't make that transition well because you're, you're going from coaching grown men with contracts and who kind of already got the game figured out into coaching young kids who are just starting out. It's, it's kind of the same thing, and I'm going to tie Vandy basketball into this, that Jerry Stackhouse is going to have to deal with. Because, yeah, Jerry Stackhouse, is he's a G, G League coach. He's coached grown men, and he, he was able to do that. But how is he going to be able to, to recruit and coach kids and, and do that? I know he had – you know, previous stints in the AAU, but that that's the usually the biggest question when you get these NFL coaches, and Herm Edwards has done it well because these guys have bought in, and here's the thing. They have a young quarterback. They got Jaden Daniels, who is a freshman. So you mean you have him for another three years, and all Herm Edwards is going to be able to do is build with him, and this defense is really good. So, look, I haven't been up on Arizona State as much, But this is a team that in a couple years, maybe even next year, could potentially win the Pac-12. And and I'm saying that as confidently as I can. But, you know, I know there's some tough coaches in that that conference. You know, Chris Peterson, Mario Cristobal is kind of on that bubble. You know, USC may, may be looking for a new coach after Clay Helton. UCLA may be looking for a new coach after Chip Kelly. And this this is a top-heavy league. Utah's done a great job this year. And Arizona State has an opportunity to make that conversation of, hey, we're we're a team that we need to be in consideration for the Pac-12. I'm saying they can be in consideration next year, but they can potentially be in consideration this year as well. And finally, let's get to Kirby Smart. Now, Kirby Smart has to bounce back from that loss against South Carolina. And here's what Kirby Smart had to say. This is not the first time we've had to deal with this each year. We've had to deal with it at, at uh, different times from different opponents. And they, they acknowledge that. They understand. Last 20 years or something of the SEC East, I don't think a team that's represented the SEC East has been undefeated. Uh, maybe Florida, I think one year they did. But outside of that, it just doesn't happen very often. So what's more important is that our team gets ready for Kentucky and gets ready to go play than talking about the rest of the year because we are about Kentucky. Yeah, because right now there's no room for error for Georgia at this point. Now, like even last year when they lost that game and they could have beat Alabama and that led them to two losses and people were still kind of leaving them in consideration for the college football playoffs. But obviously with two losses, you don't want to put a team with two losses in the college football playoffs, even though I think in my humble opinion, I thought Georgia was a much better team than Notre Dame last year. And they proved that this year when they beat Notre Dame. But there's no room for error at this point. When you're Kirby Smart, you're going to have to win every game, maybe in dominating fashion in a couple of them. But the main thing is you're going to have to beat Missouri and you're going to have to beat Florida, which I think by winning those games, that puts you back in the SEC championship game. And then you get a, maybe a potential matchup with either Alabama or LSU at that point, And then the college football conversation is back up again. I, I don't think the college football 
playoff committee will leave out a one-loss SEC champion. Even if Alabama loses to LSU and win the SEC, I think Alabama can still make it to the college football playoffs because they proved it. They proved it without winning the SEC championship that they can make it to a college football playoffs. And the way this Georgia team is playing and that win against Notre Dame and you know if they win the SEC East, I think it can put them back in position. Yeah, it's a bad loss. It's a bad loss for Kirby, but I think they can get things back going. You know, starting with Kentucky and then obviously winning the SEC East by beating teams like Missouri and also beating Florida later on in the season. And when we come back, we're going to play In or Out, which is my favorite segment, but Nick's not here today. But Nick sent me some questions. He sent some questions down. The college football gods and Nick got together and they sent me some questions that Captain Kirk is going to present to me and we're going to present those coming up next right here Saturday tailgate ESPN 1025 the game welcome back to Saturday tailgate ESPN 1025 the game Marquise Munson here with you no Nick Kale by myself doing a great job we're almost done with the show almost we're doing a great job but I got Captain Kirk back there behind the glass and he's going to help me get through in or out because Nick sent up some questions for in or out so, Captain Kirk, what was the first question for in or out? Marquise, are you in or out? Tonight's whiteout game in Happy Valley is a must-win for the legacy of Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh. I'm going to say in. And the reason why I'm going to say in is because I look at this game, and, and if you lose this game, if you're Jim Harbaugh, that's two losses of the season, and that puts more pressure on the game against Ohio State later on in the season because you don't want to fall to the three biggest teams in your conference. You fall to Wisconsin, Penn State, and then if you lose that game to Ohio State, that makes five losses straight against Ohio State, and you couldn't beat the other two opponents that are the top of the Pac-10 totem pole. And they pay you to be that guy. You lost to a first-year head coach, a Wisconsin team that, eh, they're good. They're really good. But no one had these expectations for for even them, for Wisconsin. And then you lost to James Franklin, who I know James Franklin has a year above you under his belt, but we expected you to be kind of on the same level playing field as James Franklin, even though he has an extra year under his belt. So I'll go in, man, and, and it's... I know a lot of people are sold on on Jim Harbaugh. I just think he may have just hit a ceiling at at Michigan. If he can't get through this season, he may have hit a ceiling, and I don't think there's any more he can do. He's going to get you 10 wins a season, but if your expectations are to be the top team in the pack or in the Big Ten, then he's not doing that, and he hasn't done that. So I'll go in. I I think it, it will not his legacy as far as a college coach, because I think he did a great job at Stanford, and obviously Andrew Luck played a big part in that. But as far as his legacy at Michigan, I'll, I'll go in. I think it, it definitely will make it. You'll start looking at Jim Harbaugh a little different if he loses this game. Now we touched on this the last segment. Arizona State's Herm Edwards and his program. He's in his second year. Is he the coach of the year with another upset win? I'll go depends. I'll go out. Because I think if we're talking coach of the year award-wise, AP, you know, college football coach of the year, whatever, I think it's more Ryan Day 
than it is him. Just because of what Ryan Day has been able to do with Ohio State, Urban Myers leaving that program, and that, that program still keeping intact, even though Ryan Day was already in that program to begin with. But in my personal opinion, it would definitely be Herm Edwards. Because you get a you get a win on the road against Michigan State, you beat a Utah team that is, you know, a lot of people had as a dark horse going into the college football playoffs. And I know that was a very far-fetched. That's a dark, dark horse there. But I think if you get an upset win against Utah on the road, I would put him in my personal coach of the year list just because just from going from seven wins to six wins already in week eight, I'll definitely go Herm Edwards being the coach of the year. But I know the awards aren't going to give them to him because they're going to give them to a guy like Ryan Day, or they may end up giving it to Ed Ogeron because of what he's done at LSU. And they're going to look at some of these bigger programs and like, yeah, we'll give it to them, the the physical hard copy of the award. But my personal award will go to either Herm Edwards or Coach Ed Ogeron. So, yeah, I'll go I'll go out from that perspective, but in on Herm Edwards possibly being a coach of the year. All right, are you in or out on this? Clemson has woken up from their early season slumber. I'll go I'll go in and I don't think Clemson's played bad. Uh, they, they they haven't played What's funny is people media put like us, me in particular, cuz I'm high hype up all these guys, but we put all these expectations on this Clemson's offense is going to be the best offense we've seen in college football history. And, you know, Trevor Lawrence is the second coming of Joe Montana. And, and we put all these expectations that is not coming from Clemson's side. It's coming from the other side. It's coming from media, fans, you know, other people around the program. It's not coming from Clemson itself. Clemson's won every game this season. They're undefeated. They could have lost to UNC, and yeah, they played sloppy in that game. They did play sloppy, but you're going to get those games. They played well against Florida State. We we forget about that. They beat up on Georgia Tech to begin the season. We forget about that because there's like, ah, they're they're just Georgia Tech and and Florida State. Willie Tackett's going to be fired at the end of the year anyway. That, That Georgia Tech team's got a couple more years before they're actually relevant. So I'll go, I'll go in on the perspective of like I, I don't I don't even think they're in a slumber. I think they're more they struggled, but it's just we expected more from that offense and more from Trevor Lawrence, and that's not to mistake and maybe he doesn't have to do much because Travis Etienne's having a really good season. So he hasn't had to do much. They lose a lot on defense. I'll I'll go I'll go in on that. I, I, I think I don't think it's a slumber. I think it's more so that, you know, they're winning games. They're undefeated. So that's all that matters. The Florida Gators will have a letdown against South Carolina today. You in or out? Uh, I'll go out. I don't think that. I, I I think they'll they'll bounce back from that. And South Carolina, man, they're they're on a hot streak right now. They've they've competed with Alabama, the big dogs of of the college football world, and they also beat up on the actual dogs, the Bulldogs, last week, and they beat them in overtime. So there's a lot of confidence. In this South Carolina team, a lot of it was the same thing. And me and Nick, we talked about this, you know, throughout the season when we saw USC starting to beat the Utahs and beating these top teams. And we're we're saying to ourselves, maybe, just maybe, these guys are playing for Clay Hilton, and maybe you know they're playing for him to keep his job, and maybe he's saving his job 
this season for how he's performed against these top-level teams. And that's kind of how I look at with Will Muschamp is. I think he's he's saving his season by being able to compete. Because if I'm an AD, I looked at how you competed against Alabama and say, okay, we lost that game, but it's Alabama. We're, we're, I mean, you stayed in it for the most part. And you beat Georgia on the road in Athens. That's a tough place to play in. We saw Notre Dame couldn't even do that. And you're able if you're able to compete with with a with a Florida team, then I may give you a pass. But I think Dan Mullen, he's game planned for this. I think he's going to end up getting the job done. I think they're going to end up winning this game. So I, I don't think they come out with with the slump. I think they come out come out the gate swinging actually, and I think they get the job done. Last one. This is SEC country, but the Big Ten can get not one but two teams in the playoffs. I'll go I'll go out for the consideration of the only two teams I can think of is Penn State and Ohio State being those two teams and one of them are one of them's obviously going to have one loss. Now, that's tricky because if Ohio State loses to Penn State and Penn State wins the championship, then that's tough, but I I just don't see I don't see two I I can see one I don't see Penn State and Ohio State getting in. I can see two SEC teams getting in, but I can't see two teams. And I'm not just being bashful of the Pac-10 or the Big Ten. I keep calling them Pac-10 for some reason. But the Big Ten, I, no, nah, I don't see two teams going in there. I'll go out. I see Ohio State doing it, but I just don't see I don't see Penn State going. So, so I, Wisconsin isn't going to win out? No, Wisconsin's not going to win out. No, definitely. They'll lose. They'll lose a couple games. Because I just I'm not sold on the quarterback, so it's just the defense is good, running game's good, but when you shut down that running game, what do you got? A quarterback that can play. So therefore, you lose games that way. We'll talk more Big Ten with Bill Bender of the Sporting News when we come back. You're listening to Saturday Tailgate. I'm Marquise Munson. You're listening to Nashville's best sports talk, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Welcome back here. ESPN 102.5 The Game Saturday Tailgate. Marquise Munson here with you. And since Nick was out this week, I had to call up my friends. Had to call up the crew, the posse, my team. And one person that is always on my team, and that is Bill Bender of the Sporting News. Good friend of the program. Bill, what's going on, buddy? How you doing? Hey, not much, Marquise. How are you? I'm doing great. Now, you're having a good sports week because, you know, obviously your Packers get that uh, robbery win against the Lions. I'm not having the best sports week because I have to watch, you know, the MLB playoffs without the Dodgers in it. But I got to watch a lot of football last night because my Dodgers are eliminated and I'm boycotting the MLB playoffs for that reason. So I got to watch Ohio State and Northwestern last night, and I'm looking at this Ohio State team and – and I know Northwestern's not the game that I look at. It's like, you know what? This team is the real deal because they were able to dominate Northwestern. But I look at this Ohio State team, and usually around this time of year, they have these gaps to where they struggle against teams like Northwestern and, and they you know Purdue and these you know lower, lesser teams in the conference. Mm-hmm. But this year doesn't seem like it's going to be that year for them. No, they're not going to have that inexplicable road loss. But that's not to say... In their last five games, they won't be challenged. They do play Wisconsin, Michigan, Penn State, and Michigan on the road, of course. And they got a you – know, Marquise, I don't know what the spread on the Rutgers game will be, but it will be very high. <laughs> so, Probably you know, be something I'll put my money on. 
Yeah, that's going to be up there. So, I mean, just looking at that, yeah, this team, and then Maryland, of course, but this team's definitely on track to win all of its games. They look to me like to really challenge Alabama. I think Alabama and Ohio State are the two best teams in the country, followed by, in any order, LSU, Clemson, Oklahoma. And I want to lump Penn State in there, too. You know, I think I feel like I'm missing one. But no, those are, that's the top six, seven teams right there. And see, in the last segment, we talked about Jim Harbaugh and how important is this win for him, legacy wise? Because you know, obviously, you hire this guy with so much money, and I know any any time you're a coach and you're struggling or you're not winning games, people always want to you know bring up, well, we're paying you this much to do this, and you're and he hasn't. He's lost to Wisconsin already. If he loses today, he loses to Penn State. And then that puts a lot more pressure on the Ohio State game, which if you lose that game, that's 0-5 against Ohio State. How important is this game that Penn State, or for Jim Harbaugh against this Penn State team? Well, I mean, they're a 10-point underdog. So I think that shows the state of where they're at. I mean, this team's trade bad. I don't think that's a one-game answer. Like, if they win tonight, you, we're all going to be repeating the same exact thing next week when they play Notre Dame. Now, if they lose, we'll probably be repeating it and wondering if he's in the hot seat. So I think they got to split the next two games. I really do. If they can split the next two games, favor, you know, and preferably win tonight, win tonight and still have a chance to win the Big Ten, then they'll be fine. But I, just how I know things, I think they're going to hang around tonight. In the, at the end of the day, the difference is going to be they either turn it over at the wrong time or Shea Patterson just can't take care of the football or won't take some chances down the field. So they're not going to fire him, though. I, I've answered this question so many times this season. That they're not going to fire him this year. Yeah, see, I don't, and, and I, I agree with you. I don't think they would fire him, but I think if you're Michigan and you look at it as, okay, what are we doing? What's the plan here? Because a lot of teams have to like set out their expectations. Of, we expect you to win a national championship. Like we see at Vandy, for example. You know, Derek Mason's been here six seasons, and he's only won nine games in the SEC. So, if and usually coaches in any other program would would be fired after four years of that. And so, it, it's usually teams set out their expectations. What I mean, what is this Michigan expectation? Obviously, it's a national championship, but do they have the personnel? Do they have the team currently to be able to even do that at this point? I don't think. Their team is ready for that right now. I don't think they're ready for to. Uh, I'll give you last year as an example. I think had they beat Ohio State in Columbus and ended up going to the college football playoffs and matched up for, with Clemson, the same thing that happened to Notre Dame would have happened to Michigan, but probably worse. Um, you know, and that's the difference between them and what I watched last night. Ohio State can compete with Alabama. Right now, I know, I know your allegiances, and I know where you're at, but I don't know. You're, do people that like yourself that know about Alabama, do they think that Ohio State could compete with them? I think they could. I don't know if they would win, though. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, look, the way I look at this Alabama team, how, how I've looked at them so far this season, and, and it's hard to really determine because and, – and, and I'm going to bring levels of competition on both teams. I don't think either team has played top-level opponents just yet. And so when Alabama plays LSU, I'll have a better understanding. But the way this Alabama defense is playing so far with these young freshmen, 
I just and I can see a game going back and forth with this with both offenses being really like really good, but I think Ohio State has the advantage of Alabama on the defensive end. So that's where I'll give Ohio State the edge. I think it'll be a close game either way, but I can see a team like Ohio State beating Alabama for the potential fact that I'm just not sold on Alabama's defense just yet. Yeah, and I mean, the difference would be, though, I think Ohio State's got a tough luck pick on their defensive line in Chase Young. I think J.K. Dobbins looks like freshman year J.K. Dobbins this year. I still think Alabama would win the game, though, because I just don't know how you game plan for a team that has that much speed at receiver and that much ability at receiver. Yeah. Um, you know, pick one, Marquise. I mean, I don't even know I, who the best <laughs> one is. I would say, look, I would say right now, I would say Ohio State. When we talk right. at the end of the season, I think it will end up being Alabama. Right now, though, because it's the same thing, Bill, that I had with these Heisman conversations, and I got in a bunch of arguments with people because I put Jalen Hurts at number one, and then people were like, oh, so you must not like Tua. It's like, no, I don't. I think right now the Heisman race, just like the college football landscape, is 1A, 1B, 1C, 1D, and then Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> like, like that just, That's how I kind of separate it. And that's, and that's really the teams. Like, I think the, what to watch for in the second half of the season. I mean, we picked Joe Burrow as our midseason All-American quarterback at Sporting News. Um, but so it's really a big game of chicken between Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma. If those four teams went out from where we're at now, and I mean, this is no, common sense, they're, they're going to go to the playoff. That will be your playoff. And then we get fun matchups like – do we get to a versus Jalen? Do we get, uh, or you know, it had a, if, how, if LSU can sneak in under Clemson somehow, do we get Burrow versus Ohio State? I mean, those two matchups alone would be off the charts. But I, that's where I'm at right now, and everything that like the Heisman comes with that. So if Tua beats Joe Burrow, he's going to be in the Heisman lead. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to stick with LSU for a second because I watch how they played against that that Florida defense and. You know, I, I wasn't – I'm not going to say I wasn't sold on their offense. I, like, obviously I'm one of those people. I'm like, I have to wait and see. I have to see – like, I can't just see you beat up on the lower-level teams of your conference to really determine how good or how bad you are. Of course, there's things that you can see fundamentally that you can kind of see in the, those games, but I want to see you and your team and your offense play against those top-level defenses now. Joe Burrow lit up that that Texas DBs who calls themselves DBU and the way they performed against Florida's defense where I think is really good. I'm looking at this offense of like how how is Joe Burrow doing this? Like I I don't get how he goes from the quarterback he was last year to the quarterback he is this year and just how talented that offense has been in Joe Burrow's second year at LSU. I can give you a few clues as, as- to why it doesn't surprise me as much. Um, one, I saw him do it at high school here in Ohio. He uh, he took uh, four and six Athens high school team to a state championship game. It's like picture whatever state you're in, a uh, big school program that that's always mediocre. That's what he did. And then number two, you know, putting Brady, the Saints passing coordinator, in there having him give him an offense where it's quick read, throw into the receivers. And Burrow's always had a ton of confidence. I, I, I go back to that Ohio State spring game. I thought he played better than Haskins, and my buddies were just ripping me for a year 
like nonstop Marquise a year of just, oh, yeah, you were real right about Burrow. Now I'm texting them back, and I'm like, well, who do you want in the NFL now, Haskins or Burrow? And we've had some fun with that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you obviously know that I've been through that with Tua and Jalen. So, I mean, you're, you're speaking, you're preaching to the choir here, Bill. I've been through that situation before. Ah, Tua looks pretty good. I don't know if Jalen can't throw the football downfield. I don't know if Alabama can win a championship. Oh, you're, oh Tua's not going to enter the game to enter the game. And then the rest is history <laughs> with him. Absolutely. But we're talking to Bill Bender of the Sporting News. Now, Bill, uh, you had an amazing piece on – this Michigan-Penn State rivalry that I was reading in the Sporting News, and everybody can go check that out. It's very in-depth. goes back to the history of this series, pretty much. And and we, we really don't talk about this game being a rivalry game. We, when we think rivalry, we think Ohio State-Michigan, Alabama-Auburn, in Oklahoma-Texas. But where in this rivalry, where does this rivalry stack up with, with some of those elite ones, though? Oh, it's up there. I mean, just because when Penn State joined the Big Ten and we're like, this is the 26th year of it, they automatically got – they were on their – they were bringing their A game in those seasons too. This was with Kerry Collins and Kajana, and by 94 they won the Big Ten. And Michigan was in a different spot then. It's just a fun rivalry to watch. I think when Penn State signed up, they obviously did it so they could play Michigan and Ohio State. Sure enough – the Penn State-Michigan game or the Penn State-Ohio State game has pretty much carried more as much weight as Michigan-Ohio State. Um, particularly this year, if Penn State wins this game tonight, which they should, um, then they'll be the team. I think they can give Ohio State a better run than Wisconsin just because they have a little more talent on the defensive side. That's the only reason I think that, but I could be proven wrong. And We've seen, and final thing, Bill, we've seen this is to me – been the most wide open Big Ten conference in a couple years where you have a good Wisconsin team who, you know, good defense. Jonathan Taylor is playing well, Heisman candidate. Then you see this Penn State team with Sean Clifford and this athletic defense and what they're able to do on, under James Franklin in his sixth season. And then we see Michigan, who, you know, Michigan has that one loss, but, you know, they, they picked it back up with Iowa. Maybe they need to kind of step up on def- our offense a little bit. And then we see Ohio State. This, this, to me, is wide open in the Big Ten. And now the question is being asked, after leaving them out of the college football playoffs for many moons, now they can potentially, even with a one-loss team, can they potentially get two teams in the college football playoffs if the chips fall in hand where you got a lot of teams losing in front of you? I still think the SEC is the only one that can do that. And it would be a – and I think the most likely SEC scenario would be if Alabama and LSU play kind of the same classic they did, only much higher scoring than, than they did in 12. Because remember, LSU and Alabama played each other in a championship game. So it's not unlike that can happen. Um I think with the Big Ten, the issue is that, like, Wisconsin could potentially play Ohio State twice. Michigan already has a loss. If Michigan beats Penn State tonight, then that really puts the Buckeyes in the driver's seat because they get Wisconsin and Penn State at home. And I think this sounds awful to say, but I think Ohio State is just that much better than everybody else in the Big Ten. I really do. I don't know that Wisconsin can really challenge them if they bring their A game next week. Bill Bender, make sure you check all his work out at the Sporting News. A lot of great stuff there with Bill. And make sure you follow him on Twitter as well. Bill, I always appreciate you joining me, man, and talking some football with us, man. Appreciate you, buddy, as always. 
And no, nobody got robbed Monday night. Those were the right calls. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> the face mask. Uh, okay, Bill. I'll, I'll let you. I'll, I'll let you I'll have. You later. I'll let you have your win, Bill. Because my Dodger <laughs> sucks. So I'll let you have something. Take care. I'll <laughs> all right, you Bill. Soon. Appreciate you, man. Bill Bender of the Sporting News. Make sure you check all his work at Sporting News. And when we come back, Saturday selections to wrap up Saturday tailgate. You're listening to Saturday tailgate with Marquise Munson here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. And we're back Saturday, tailgate, ESPN 1025, the game. I'm not coming to your city. I'm staying in Nashville. But a lot of college football today, week eight of the season. And now we're going to get to the Saturday selections. We're closing in on kickoff around the nation. Time to make this week's picks against the spread. Let's go. You know what we got to do. These are our Saturday selections. All right, Saturday selections beginning with Clemson minus 24 at Louisville today. I am going to take the Clemson Tigers. Clemson Tigers dominated Florida State last week. I feel like they're going to do the same against this Louisville team. I will take Clemson minus the 24. Nick also agrees he will also take Clemson minus the 24. Alabama, Tennessee, Alabama minus 34 and a half. I'm going to actually take Tennessee. They're not going to win the game, but Alabama is bad at covering spreads because Nick Saban loves to call those dogs off. So I think that Tennessee will help cover, but I do think Alabama will dominate this win. It'll be one of those one of those games where Alabama covers pretty late or doesn't cover late. And they put in Mac Jones, and then all of a sudden, you know, Tennessee catches stride, and then they, you know, bad beat pretty much. But Nick disagrees. He's going to take Bama minus the 34 and a half. LSU. LSU is going up against Mississippi State. LSU minus the 17 and a half. I am going to take LSU in this one. Their offense is just absolutely outstanding. It's been dominant all season. So I'm going to stick with the LSU Tigers in this one. And Nick also agrees he's also going to take LSU. Temple at SMU minus the seven and a half. I, I'm going to go. I think Temple's going to win this game against SMU on the road. At that, I'm going to go with Nick's alma mater, and I'm going to go Temple minus the seven and a half. And Nick also agrees. I think it's mostly because it's his alma mater, but mostly because Nick is a gambling man and he knows what he's talking about in this stuff. So Nick's also taking the seven and a half. I'm going to take the seven and a half with Temple. I think Temple also wins this game. Michigan at Penn State. I will take. I guess Penn State is minus the the nine. I will take Penn State in this one. I I look at this offense with Michigan and I just don't think they're that good. And they they struggled against Iowa. If it wasn't for Nate Stanley's three interceptions in that game, they probably would have lost that game to Iowa because of the way their offense was going, even though Shea Patterson was the better quarterback in that game. But I'm gonna go Penn State in this one with the minus or with the nine. And Nick disagrees, he's gonna go Michigan plus the nine points. So he's going Michigan plus the nine. Arizona State at Utah. Utah minus 13 and a half. I will go Arizona State in this one. I do think they get the victory in this game. So I'm going to go Arizona State. Nick also is going to go Arizona State. And finally, 
Vandy, your Vanderbilt Commodores is going to be going up against Missouri. Missouri is a minus 21 in this game. Minus 21. And I'm going to go Missouri. I haven't seen anything from this Vandy offense that will have me believe that they're going to be able to compete at a high level against this Missouri team. So I'm going to go Kelly Bryant has a big game. Larry Roundtree has a big game. I think Keyshawn Vaughn will also have a good game today. I just don't think it's going to be enough to get them the victory and to cover the spread. So I'm going to go Missouri. And Nick agrees. Nick is taking Missouri minus the 21. And that does it. I'm done talking to myself and then the massive airwaves of the radio and also talking to Captain Kirk behind the glass and thank him for, you know, having a great show today. Thank you guys for tuning in. Nick will be back next Saturday as we preview more games, some big games next week in college football as well, including Ohio State and Wisconsin. But you can also listen to a lot of games on 102.5 The Game as Auburn takes on Arkansas. That game begins at 11, 94.9 Game 2. You can listen to MTSU at North Texas. That coverage begins at 2, and that's followed by Alabama and Tennessee. You can listen to that game tonight. And on 93.3 Classic Hits, Kentucky and Georgia coverage begins at 2.30. And if you don't want to listen to any college football and you want to listen to Preds, Take on the Florida Panthers, that pregame beginning at 6 o'clock on ESPN 1025. The game for Marquise Munson, Captain Kurt, Nick. Thank you guys for listening to Saturday Tailgate right here on Nashville's best sports talk, ESPN 1025. The game.